cool. So thanks for coming on, Drew. For people who have not had the pleasure to meet you yet, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you I'm Andrew Diodato. I run a bowling insurance program with my father, Daryl Diodato. I'm sure that name is probably familiar to a lot of people out there. We Our program is centered mostly in the northeast part of the United States, about from Boston in the northeast to Detroit in the northwest and then down to about the Virginia-North Carolina border is our main territory. Wow. Yeah, we started this program. My dad wrote his first bowling center in the late 1970s, and we're on third generation on a lot of our centers, so it's an absolute wow. pleasure to work with everyone. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you got, what, over well over 100 centers that you work with, Yeah, right? somewhere around 175 nationwide. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty big. So you see, and you're seeing not just like who they are, but you know, how they're doing. Cause you know, you got to know those things for their insurance. So you get a good pulse on the industry then I would take it. Oh, absolutely. And the good thing is, and I'm sure that everyone listening to this understands and does the same thing that in bowling, everybody wants to help each other. So, mm -hmm. you know, what I see in something I see maybe in Philadelphia, somebody in Cleveland is, oh my God, I didn't even realize that is working. So I love to share ideas with people in different parts of the country because what's good for the sport is good for the sport. Exactly. And to be honest, that's the entire purpose of this podcast mm -hmm. is to do that same mm -hmm. thing. Um, just bring it to a different platform instead of one face-to-face -face like you do. This is just a way to do it with the same premise. Happy to help. Yeah. So then tell me a little bit about how you got in the space. Obviously your dad has done it and maybe a little bit about the history of the company, maybe some of the iterations and then maybe where you guys are at today. Oh, sure. A long, like long time ago, probably about 35 to 40 years ago, there was an insurance company that formed called PIC, which some of our older proprietors may know. It was, stood for Proprietors Insurance Company. It was specifically built to insure bowling centers. It was based in Delaware, Ohio. What they did was they chose 35 agents nationwide to write bowling centers, and my dad was one of them. And to my knowledge, he is the w only one that is left still doing it from the late mm. 1970s when it started. Wow. He brought me on about 10 years ago. I studied insurance partially in college. I always figured that would be the best uh, path to success. Yeah. Uh, so, again, I've been doing this about, yeah, since 2000 and roughly 2011 is when I started in insurance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I am 35. My dad is 73. So I have taken over about 90% of the business. Or he has taken a step back as he gets closer to retirement. Okay. But current company that we're with is called Insurance Brokers of Maryland. I live in Pennsylvania. I'm an honorary Marylander. We, yeah, so the we've moved the book a few times over the years to mm -hmm. whatever the companies all stay the same. So it works out for, well for everybody. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I guess you guys are going through a recent one, so I'm sure there's a lot of work with that. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. So then let's talk a little bit about maybe what you're seeing in working in centers today. So obviously 150 plus or 170 that you said you're talking to, what are some of the top things that stick out to you that say, hey, this is really working well or, or jiving well in these? As far as just like what like they're doing for their best kind of revenues? Exactly. Yep. Okay. I would say right now more there's in the past, a lot of proprietors, including very successful proprietors, didn't realize the value of having good food and beverage service. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. They go into centers that are doing seven figures plus in revenue, but yet they still only had like snack bar food. They were slinging hot dogs and mm -hmm. you're, just, you're leaving so much money on the table. And I'm very glad to see a lot of centers are now transitioning to 
hey, just because we're a bowling center doesn't mean we can't have good food because people are going to mm-hmm. eat no matter what. Yeah. So if you present them with good options, it's going to work. And I'm seeing that all over the country. And that makes me happy because it's money coming in that someone yeah. is going to spend that way. Exactly. Yeah. Two of the guys that I talked to on, on the podcast, Kevin and, and Brian, mm-hmm. both within two to three years doubled their revenue just by getting their food game on par. Oh, I have no doubt about it. Yeah. Doubled their revenue in two, three years. Fantastic. Um, so like you said, the demand is there. People are already there. Might as well give them a, something better than a snack. Bowling has become, it, people generally, now with, with some centers, exceptions, obviously, it's become more than just a bowling center. People mm-hmm. want multiple avenues of entertainment, be it food and bev, be it a family entertainment outside of bowling. As many people listening to this regretfully say, league bowling is dying off in most parts of the country. Yeah. It's, and so you people have to evolve or they're going to get left behind. And I'm sure right. that's something you talk about as well. Yeah, exactly. And then not even just the league bowling, but the traditional league bowling, because Midway or some of these other guys, they do a casual league and mm-hmm. those are taking, they do really well with those, but it, it isn't the, the old school playing for money kind of league. It's playing for social interaction kind of league. And, and you're exactly right. So less than 50% of leagues are actually sanctioned these days. So the so even you have your normal 32, 36-week leagues, they are, but they're not sanctioned. Plus you have social leagues. Like someone like me, again, 35, I don't have time, nor can I guarantee that I'm going to dedicate an entire season to something like that. But a social league where I could come in and sub and Wednesday night, that's what right. a lot of people in my generation and same with you Forrest that's what and right. you know we're gonna be there we're gonna be drinking we're gonna be eating so it's not about a prize fund it's like people aren't caring about averages so much not tracking handicaps but they just want right. to go have fun exactly so- yeah no and I, I totally agree we're seeing that big transition and I mean you have another unique perspective because you do work with uh traditional FECs too so you're seeing mm-hmm. that uh crossroads where everyone's starting to move towards that model where how do you provide something that mom and dad and the kids can all have fun with or a group of friends in their early 20s? What can you do to appeal to those kids? Yeah. And so I do a lot of consulting work on in that realm about helping uh, centers transition from a traditional bowling center to the more of the FEC model. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about dollar per square foot, you know, what you're going to be revenue per square foot. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to say, but bowling lanes in a bowling center are one of the, your worst dollars per square foot you can have. Right. And it's, again, I don't, I don't mean to offend anybody by saying that, but economically it's the truth. The mm-hmm. very best thing that you can, that I can tell you and everybody would probably know this is a redemption arcade. You have to have a redemption arcade in your center. It is mm-hmm. tried and true, and they make money everywhere they put them in. Because kids will come just to play the arcade. When people, If you have a waiting list for your lanes, people will be in the arcade. It's, it's an unbelievable investment. And again, I'm happy to help anybody send a list of games, anything like that, if anyone mm-hmm. wants me to help them with that. I do that for lots of our Oh, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for offering that. Of course. Yeah, so that, that's a good one. And yeah, another one that people have done, like I, I was talking to a guy who removed eight lanes from his center. And he tripled his profit per square foot by putting in eight axe uh, throwing bays. And then that only takes a part of the space, but then you can take, reclaim the rest of the space for a bigger bar and seating area. So yeah, I'm sorry. I was saying axe throwing and I will be the first one to admit, I did not think axe throwing would have the staying power that it does, but Mm -hmm. uh, it has proved me wrong. The centers that I have that have put it in have made plenty of money on it. And mm-hmm. we all know if someone's throwing an ax in their right hand, they have a drink in their left hand. Exactly. So the 
<laughs> and Bev and the Axe are proportionally just going up together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it works well because even just from a price, pricing structure, bowling, you pay a, a flat rate for a group of people, whereas Axe throwing, you pay per person and you can charge a similar amount. So you're three Xing just from that. And then you reclaim that space back for uh, food and beverage, people to hang out and watch the other people do it. So, mm-hmm. oh, and another reason why these guys are doubling and tripling, you know, doubling their revenue in three years is stuff like agreed, that. Agreed. Agreed. And that's good to hear. Yeah. What else? Anything on the insurance side that you're seeing on ways that people can have better policy or save money or other things that you're seeing working in centers? I can get, if it would help, I can give you a quick rundown about how, how to quick spot check your insurance to make sure people are insured right. Would that help? Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to get that from anyone better. All right. Well, <laughs> so if you want to do a quick spot check on your policy, whether you're insured with me or not, to make sure that you're covered properly as a center, you with today's cost of materials, you want to be at about $155 per square foot in to, for your in total insurance value on your building. And you got to remember, your building includes the lanes, machines, and auto scoring. So all in, that's about what you want to bet times 155 per square foot. For your contents, your business personal property, we use about $20,000 per lane bed. So if you have a 20 lane center, you want that number to be at least 400,000. 20 lanes times $20,000. Business income, your loss of income if you go out, that's the number one reason why centers don't rebuild after a major loss, be it a fire, roof collapse from weight of ice. And so that number, you want to be minimum about 60% of your gross, closer to 80% of your gross. Now, I know with my clients, what I do, I update these numbers every year because I never want anybody to be underinsured. I'm not always the cheapest person in insurance because... No one is underinsured and I can take, you can take that to the bank when you're insured. For liability, you want to make sure that you are about $1 million per occurrence for your liability and $2 million aggregate. And again, that's standard across the insurance industry. Uh, some centers, larger centers have umbrellas. Some, it gives you an extra layer of protection. And then you also want to make sure, depending on what states you're in, if you have things like liquor liability insurance, like Pennsylvania here requires it. States like Maryland, Delaware, and Virginia do not. So it all depends on your state. Mm. But yeah, that's a kind of a quick rundown just to make sure you're insured properly. And again, there's not a whole lot of companies that insure bowling centers and even some that do, they don't do it. So you really want to spot check your policy to make sure that you're, you're paying for what you need. So it's specialty you're saying. Very specialized. Yes. And more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's, yeah, it's a different kind of business model and not a ton of them out there. Yeah. So Um, actually, if you don't mind for us, one thing I would like to I think so. Things like axe throwing, when you put those on a policy, many of these policies will exclude things like that, liability speaking, unless you specifically add it. So you want to make sure that you put an axe throwing or something similar in your center. You tell your agent because the last thing you want is a major injury and them saying, Oh, yeah, there's no coverage because we didn't. Right, sorry, that doesn't count. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. So then I think a good way to, uh, to transition into you know some other of your experience and why the insurance matters is maybe a couple of stories you've seen on how what you think couldn't possibly happen 
happens all the time. All right, I'll give you the most recent one, and I don't, I don't, and I don't think they would care me speaking about it. So Hampton Lanes in, in up in near the Allentown Bethlehem area, mm-hmm. they it, last February they had 28 inches of snow and it collapsed. And it's very interesting. In this this case, they renewed in November, and I actually upped their building value by three hundred thousand dollars because of the cost of materials mm-hmm. and. As they would tell you, they're using every penny of it, not the fact that they can't get the materials, but the fact that they're so much more expensive. And that's what we're seeing in these terms of inflations. And that's another thing to add with that, actually. You want it, these building values have to be raised every year because these cost of materials are going through the roof. Steel, wood, you name it. It's crazy mm-hmm. how expensive it is. Yeah. Sorry, please go ahead. The- I was gonna say, just in, inflation hits commodities especially hard. Oh know, my when god! You have these materials and stuff. Some other something that you you find very interesting too in claims, and we didn't mention about workers' comp, and I will mention that. So, workers' compensation—it's not just somebody doing their assigned job. People can claim workers' compensation for. I've had workers' comp claims at centers. I had someone break a leg because they were having a snowball fight in a parking lot and after a meeting and slipped and fell and got workers' comp. I had somebody weeding the flower bed in front of a center, got hit by a car, and they got workers' comp. It's things like that you have to realize that you just never think would happen. Like, those are just two off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, I've had guys fall off ladders. Uh, and, And one thing I would like to add to everybody out there, Please tell your pin chasers and your mechanics if they're ever if they're ever clearing a jam, if they're ever wrenching on a machine, please turn it. I've had way too many guys get crushed in pin setters. I've had yeah. people lose pin setters. They will take your arm off without skipping a beat. And that's I had and I had one again a few years back. I'm not gonna say the center, but when the deck came down, it came to such a point that it did not crush his head but it squished it enough that it blew his eardrums out. Oh, it's, it's horrible. I, I don't ever want to get calls like that because it's, it's horrible. It's, mm-hmm. But it's, it, I can tell you, it's expensive too because there's a lot of medical bills. But right. it, it, more importantly, though, we're talking about somebody's life and you don't want mm-hmm. that on your company. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you want to be able to make it right. So you got to have that covered, oh, preventing absolutely. the liability in the beginning. Absolutely. And training your employee, that's where it starts. Just doing the lockout, tag out. And I will give the BPAA down in Texas, a lot of credit for that. They have an awful lot of information on how to keep your employees safe. There are specific OSHA regulations for bowling centers. I encourage everybody to reach out down there and get those regulations because mm-hmm. it is to keep your employees safe. Yeah, they, they have a lot of good stuff. I'm, I'm a partner in another center, so technically I'm a member and I just got access to their bowling university and uh, oh, yes. I'm surprised at how much they put into it. I think when a lot of centers were shut down for COVID, they poured a lot of money into creating good content uh, for this university. You can see like in their studio, it looks like an ESPN s- set that they have, but they did a really nice job and they have a lot of these onboarding and safety materials. And then they even have stuff on running a center efficiently. So yeah. And some states even get it free access. I know Pennsylvania and West Virginia both have free access to it. So if you have any kind of a chance to watch it, I highly recommend. Yeah. And I'll give another plug to the BPA. If you are not in any state that you're in, if you are not a member of both your state chapter and the national chapter, it is well worth joining. Mm -hmm. It is the resources, the camaraderie, the networking. It's second to none. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you can easily pay for your membership with some of the rebate programs they have. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, right away. Pepsi rebate as yeah, well. Yeah, and Cisco. Yeah, easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we covered those. I want to finish with the future one. But a couple questions I had is, what do you think the biggest challenge you're seeing is for proprietors today? If you had to pick one challenge, the, the, the obstacle. Economically speaking? Yeah, or just for running their center. It could be economic or operational. What do you just see as the biggest challenge right now? I'll give you a two-part answer. Operational is absolutely trying to get employees in the door right now. And mm. I'm everybody knows. Any service industry for... And I'm, I'm still not sure where these people are getting money, you know, mm. for not working, but clearly they are. And so every center, whether they want to or not, is being run lean. Mm-hmm. Like here in Pennsylvania, the bartender waitress wait, uh, wait, part, waiter waitress wage is 283 an hour. You cannot get anyone in the door if you're paying 283 an hour anymore to bartend. Right. Because mm-hmm. down the street, they're going to be giving them the real minimum wage. You're dealing, I always, in so in Eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you're dealing with Wawa. Western Pennsylvania and Ohio, you're dealing with sheets. Mm-hmm. Those folks are paying their line cooks. They're starting at $12, $13 an hour. So that's almost what you have to match your line cooks back in your kitchen. Right. They're, you're not, they're not going to do it for $10 an hour because they yeah. know that you didn't get more. They don't have to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that would be yeah. operational. Speaking, as far as more the actual making money portion, sometimes you have to really think outside the box to get people in to get people in your center. So, mm-hmm. well, so say if you have it doesn't matter what center size you have, it could be a sixteen lane, it could be a forty lane. You got it still costs the same to heat it, whether there's one lane full or they're all full. Same with air conditioning, you can't heat a fourth of a center. You can't air. So you have to figure out ways to get people in there. And I, I tell new proprietors. Start looking at local homeschool programs. That's some people don't even know that still. With homeschooling, they all have to have a <clears throat> pardon me. They all have to have a phys ed activity, and bowling counts. Hmm. So if you can get with your local homeschool people and get them in bowling, even if you're charging them a dollar a game, it's still revenue you're getting in on a dead time. Hmm. I would always tell people to look in with local animal shelters having fundraisers. Local fire departments having fundraisers. You have special needs groups. Always bowling is, that's what's the great thing about bowling. You can be anybody. You can be a special needs person and you can still be Mm -hmm. a superstar in the bowling center. Right. So take advantage of that. Anytime that you're looking that you're saying, oh, we're going to be dead between seven and nine tonight. There's no leagues coming in. Do something. What's better than having, just even if it's cheaper, you're charging a cheaper rate, get somebody in there. Right. Yeah. Cause your, your costs are fixed either way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the fixed costs, what I was saying are the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stuff you can do. Like you said, if you think outside of the box, one of, one of the centers we work with sees a drastically lower dip in summer revenue because they do a lot with like school programs and boy scouts and daycare and summer camp and all these guys where they have this package and kids talk, they have fun. They're going to tell their parents and then the word spreads and they have people come in every day during the summer. And that really helps them out. That's Fantastic. Now, during mm-hmm. COVID, that took a hit. Of course. Because a lot of these daycares and summer camps had to stay on site. They weren't allowed to take a quote unquote right. field to a bowling center. Yep. But that's over now. And yeah, if, if one person has fun there, you said you tell their parents, suddenly mm-hmm. you have a, they're having a birthday party there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They want to go back, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it builds upon itself. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that would kind of transition well to the next question I had is if you could give one piece of advice to a center on just running a successful center, what would it be? I have learned more about the bowling industry from proprietors than I could ever learn in a book. Mm-hmm. My one piece of advice would be 
listen to everybody. Even the smallest six lane center sometimes has great ideas. I've, I've seen centers in the middle of nowhere that say, wow, what a great, you know, just like they have something on their menu even that's, wow, I can't, I never even thought of that. So mm -hmm. I always like to share that information and say, this is something you should try. And I, everybody is in it for the success of the sport. Mm -hmm. So I would so listen to anybody. Don't be afraid to change. Don't be stuck in your ways. And I, and that's a kind of a life lesson as well. <laughs> Transcends. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a great piece of advice. And just to show the fact that you're onto something is that I've heard a, a couple of people say something similar to that. It's it, you oh, know, okay. you're on that is that, Hey, there's a lot of ideas out there. Talk, go out and see other people and, and learn from others. Yeah, actually, that's a wonderful piece of advice for us. Go mm -hmm. out and visit other centers and mm -hmm. don't, and not just your ones in your area, drive two, three hours and visit centers. Mm -hmm. Because you might be become an early adopter in your area of something that someone is doing three hours away and it might just take right. off. That's something that I do that I know that you do. I love to introduce proprietors to other proprietors because mm -hmm. everybody has something they can learn from someone. Exactly. Yep. There's always something. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool, Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, that, that just brings us back to the last one is where do you see the industry going in the next, you know, three, five years? We're seeing this big transition from, in a, in a gradual thing, you know, the last 20 years going away from the traditional league houses to more of the FEC style. Do you see an iteration beyond that or just more people move in that direction? What's your take on like the next three, five years and beyond? It's the FEC model is still going to be what is going to be coming. I think we're not at a point yet that it's evolve or die out. We're not at that point yet mm -hmm. because there still are some traditional league centers that do quite well. However, survival of the fittest, I think, is coming within probably the next 10 to 20 years in this model. And even traditional league centers are starting to put in things like arcades. They're starting to put, again, upgrade the, uh, the snack bar to make it a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So innovation, you got to keep innovating. Yeah, you yeah. can't can't live in a bowling center like you think it was 1975 because those days are not coming back anymore. My dad has always told me the stories about some centers running triple shifts, 24 seven centers and like wow. in mill stuff like that. But yeah. <laughs> these mills are gone and I don't think they're going to be rebuilt. So right. you got the money when people are there. And I hate yeah. to say you and me doing, we're talking on a zoom meeting. You're fighting the phone. You're fighting kids looking down at their phone. TikTok. Yeah, I know that's a good point. And, and, that ties in well because it's not just like that those times are gone. It's like the customer base is shrinking because you're not, there's no new 60 year olds being born today. So well, you're you know, exactly, it's a shrinking generation. You're exactly. And again, not to, not to make light of it, league bowling is quite literally dying out. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's, it's sad to me how many centers don't even have junior leagues and not for the lack of trying. They right. just, they can't get interest. And, if you can't get interest in a pure junior league, you have to get kids in somehow. And that might, and that's the FEC model in, in my exactly. humble opinion. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you bring the family in. There's some great stories of people who just come in to, because everybody can find something to do there. If you get the restaurant yeah. model, you, dad gets mm -hmm. to drink a beer, the kids are playing the, the video games and mom can hang out with friends or, you know, there's something for everybody at that point. Exactly. And, and bowling is a very, it's a social atmosphere being in a bowling center mm -hmm. and and I don't, that's not going to change. It is, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, exactly. That's all I have for today, Drew. Okay. If people want to contact you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? If they want to ask you, you know, for some of the consulting or your ideas on insurance or just do a, you know, a quick run through. Oh, just e email me or call me. Okay. Um, you, 
I guess what would be the easiest thing just do you want me to say my <laughs> yeah say it out yeah yeah right, yes yeah. myself I for those of me I live and die by my cell phone I'm on the road constantly mm-hmm. it's uh 717-350-1126 okay. and my email is andrew.diodato at ibm o-f-m-d ibm of maryland.com mm-hmm. perfect okay yeah. No. And I'd encourage people to take you up on that because even if they don't end up going with you, they'll get a lot of knowledge just oh, because you're in the space and highly recommend, even if you're not looking for insurance, you, you will walk away with something. Thank you. I appreciate that. I try to you know be knowledgeable of the industry. Mm-hmm. Which- yeah. If anyone knows the industry, it's Andrew Diodato. Cool. Thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate Pleasure. it. It's been a good time. We'll have to do it again sometime in the future. And you're going to Expo, right? We'll see. Definitely will be. Uh, okay. And I actually, I'll give you a plug too. I encourage all bowling proprietors to go to IAPA as well, because again, that is the FEC future of this industry. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. We'll connect another time. All right. Thank you, my friend. Bye.